Larry Shover, the Chief Investment Officer at D. Alexander Capital, is kind enough to share a part of his morning with us. Larry, it's good to have you here this Thank Friday you. morning, a busy Friday morning at that. I want to begin with the U.S. dollar and the trifecta of fundamentals that have, well, helped support it. You've got rates this week on the move higher, uh, last week for that matter, uh, follow through this week. You've got the indices, which have been selling off, and then you've got uh, Europe, which has been coming under pressure, the euro currency and the British pound, a reflection thereof. Yeah, exactly. And so the dollar has just been, you know, just been recipient of all this interest rate differentials, what they are. Also, a hallmark of, of uh, Chairman Powell has been the uber focus on U.S. inflation and not global inflation per se. So I think no matter what what happens, I shouldn't say no matter what happens, but it's hard to make a case for uh, a, a very aggressive policy response uh, next week. So therefore, the dollar, again, is being buoyed up by all that. You know, taking a look at the U.S. dollar here as it has been, it continues to be very strong. Again, last week up to 110.78, and it does appear as if it's forming a bit of a consolidation area around the middle of this 109 handle, chalking up to, again, some of the strength in the U.S. dollar. Here's a reflection of that euro currency, the weakness. We were just talking the British pound a minute ago and how we've seen some weakness there. But this is, again, the culprit down at 98.71 recently. And we were talking about how the British pound overnight, a new low uh, down to 1985 levels, I think down 16% year to date, and how the dollar hasn't broken out to the downside, but the pound did. I mean, obviously, again, you're kind of waiting on the euro to see if it does, it seems more alike. But talk to us here, Larry, about how the yen this week was also a focal point, right? I mean, obviously, uh, lower levels there are starting to ruffle some feathers uh, in the BOJ or at the BOJ, and uh, or at the very least, raising some eyebrows. Yeah, I think the uh, last five days down almost a half a percent. Yeah. I think the government of Japan would like investors and traders to stop selling the currency uh, as a funding currency. And it's done a pretty decent job at following rates, but not a good job at fi uh, following its own fundamental you know, economic data, as it were. And so it, it remains to be a funding currency. I like the yen versus the euro or the British pound, um, even the Australian dollar. But that said, I don't really particularly care for it uh, versus the U.S. dollar at this point. You know, I'm looking at uh, some data from the CME, and it, it looks like FX volumes uh, yesterday, and uh, looks like their FX assets class reached all-time record levels, uh, led by top 10 volumes in the Japanese yen, the euro, the Aussie, and the New Zealand dollar. So, again, heading into next week, I mean, you've got the FOMC, the Bank of England. These are going to be uh, focal points here. Talk to us a little bit about uh, uh, some of the central bank activity headed our way next week and a little bit deeper dive into yeah, well, if Chairman Powell retains the whatever-it-takes mantra and the 2% target, the upside risk for policy is clear. It's like right now, futures are pricing in a terminal rate of four and a quarter, four and a half. Um, any additional upside to that is going to push the short end, you know, higher. We'll see the twos trading at four. That said, um, the performance of the of uh, yields, especially duration over the next week, is really contingent on investors' perception of the Fed's commitment, um, effectiveness, and willingness to combat inflation. I mean, the fact is, like right now, we have negative first half realized growth, and that's not deterring the Fed. And if nothing else, they might be more hawkish with the with the. Uh, uh, the, the SEP and the dot plot. So uh, 
we're seeing the result of that in the yield curve, as it were. Negative growth, but yet still, uh, I mean, the Biden administration, which has been very uh, supportive of the economy, I mean, pushing forth this, uh, uh, you know, new bills, ultimately, uh, not necessarily along the lines or to the extent of what we'd seen before, but not necessarily what we're kind of still getting from the vibe as far as the Fed, right? It seems like one foot's on the gas pedal, the other's kind of on the brake. Yeah, exactly. And that's nothing new, I suppose. But, you know, it's really realized growth that has been negative. I mean, some of the headline numbers have been decent, et cetera. But the fact is, like, you know, real growth, the first half is negative. It's it's not enough to deter the Fed. In fact, it seems like the Fed is a little bit more emboldened than they ever were to maintain that 2% inflation at, I shouldn't say at any cost, but whatever it takes. So um, I still think 75 basis points this week is, is the base case, but watch the press conference and the summary of economic projections. That's going to be a telltale sign. Will do. And based on the inflation data this week, it still seems like we're quite a ways from that right now. Speaking of, uh, Larry, uh, you wrote in your uh, uh, notes ahead, you said the disappointment in terms of a retail sales control group proved only a temporary distraction from what was otherwise another bearish session for the Treasury markets. We've been watching the two-year, the five-year, the 30-year on the move. Talk to us about uh, what caught your eye there. Yeah, well, you know, the headline number yesterday, retail sales, was very comforting. Uh, but behind it, underneath it, the, the revisions for last month were, were concerning. And so some of the control groups as well. So I, I really hope that that doesn't continue. If it does, then, you know, the consumer has been a big pillar of the economy, or at least the last, like, 18, 24 months. And uh, if we lose that, if that starts to decelerate, like we saw the revision downward month prior, um, that would be concerning. But make no, make no mistake about it, the market's looking at that right now. You know, uh, also we had uh, jobless claims in addition to, well, we mentioned the CPI. Uh, here you're looking at the retail sales. But the jobs numbers are still suggesting that in a higher rate environment, labor conditions here in the U.S. remain pretty resilient. Yeah, exactly. Jobless claims beat expectations. I think continuing claims ticked down a little bit, but the revision for jobless claims was actually positive. It's hard to make a case that the economy is in the tank when you yeah. have such a strong uh, labor market and not really showing any signs of deterioration at this point. And suggesting more along lines of kind of the soft or softish type landing scenario. Yeah, um, I think the market's thinking, was thinking soft landing. Now it's bumpy landing and perhaps yeah. even going into a hard landing. But a lot of that is just due to the, the, the hawkishness that we've seen from the Fed and whatever it takes mantra. Um, we see break-evens like, um, continue to drop. Um, futures are pricing in a higher terminal rate than perhaps they did even a week ago. And we're just seeing the yield curve continue to, you know, remain in aversion. Keep in mind, a week ago, the 210 was trading at negative 20. Last night, we were trading at negative 45 at one point. Mm -hmm. Larry, a quick thought. Uh, you know, we've been watching the dollar, which has been the main beneficiary, it seems like, of that risk-off type scenario. When the indices come off, the greenback benefits, gold then gets sold. The dollar strength also, as we've been talking about throughout the show and with you, tied to some of the activity we've seen in the currencies and rates as well. But I guess I'm wondering is, okay, you've got a, a bad being bad for the indices, which is ultimately good for the dollar, uh, a good being bad in many ways for the indices, which has been good for the dollar. But if things get really bad ultimately for the indices, I wonder if things are going to start to get bad for the dollar as well. And if you would see kind of that safe haven type uh, tendency again. If, for example, we were to take out the June lows all of a sudden, 
does the idea become that, well, the, the, the economy now is faltering, ultimately, whether it's because of inflation, the Fed's going to have to act a little bit more aggressively and the impact that that could have, or, uh, I mean, at some point, does the dollar lose that kind of hierarchy if things get worse, I guess, do we kind of revert back to some of those safe haven type assets? Or is this just on track with rates and to the extent that they have? And I mean, it's tough to buy treasuries as a safe haven play if you think rates are going higher, I guess. Yeah, you know, um, that question just keeps almost keeps me up at night because, I've, as I've said for probably months, like there's so much positive risk premium built into the U.S. dollar. And my question what could derail it? Question, yeah, my question yeah. to myself is, well, what do you buy? Like, like yeah. what, 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 what currency are you going to buy instead of the dollar at this point, knowing full well there's so much positive risk premium built into it, largely due to hawkishness, hawkishness of the Fed and um, interest rate differentials. That's well, it. I can't buy the euro. Can't buy. I, I don't know what to buy against it. So I think um, if bad is really bad, then we'll start seeing duration. We'll see you know long yields start to go down, mm, okay. and or perhaps gold would be the recipient of it. Right, not right now, but perhaps in the future. And ultimately, then maybe we'd see some bond buying. To your point, rates would come off. You would expect, and you know maybe if we get something a little bit more aggressive uh, or a tone from the ECB next week in terms of their initiatives to combat inflation. We know that uh, what they're dealing with here equally, if not more so, uh, a situation to be uh, forced to be reckoned with than what we've seen in the U.S. Talk to us lastly, Larry, in terms of next week. I saw some housing numbers it looked like. Uh, I mean, that's going to be uh, where sites should be set in addition to central bank activity, obviously, is going to be front and center. But uh, with rates on the rise here right now, mortgage, 30-year uh, mortgage rates above 6%. I mean, obviously, uh, the impact that has on housing is going to be a discussion to be had next week as well. Yeah, and and Tuesday we have uh, building permits, housing starts, and Wednesday mortgage apps and existing okay. home sales. But okay. a lot of that's lagging, as we know. And we also know that um, there's pockets of the real estate market that perhaps need to correct have gone up so much. We're still plateauing from a very high level, and there's still activity out there. That said, a lot of housing numbers next week, but just need to, I guess, reiterate that those numbers are lagging, not really taking into effect the current mortgage rates we have today. Larry Showover, appreciate you joining us here. You've given us something to keep an eye on today and into next week as well. The Chief Investment Officer, D. Alexander Capital. Always a pleasure. Thanks again, Larry. Have a great weekend.